You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Everybody, it is Thursday, December 1st. We have made it to December, everybody. 2022, and it is indeed a heck of a morning live on the MMA Fighting Twitter spaces. You can hear the show in its entirety shortly thereafter on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. Hope everyone's having a great week so far, having a great Thursday. I am Mike Heck. We are here a little bit later than normal. My schedule... Not as not what it usually is this week. Filling in some roles, filling in some slots. So we push things back an hour today. On top of that, I wanted to take advantage of the extra time. So the last couple days, I uh, I tried CrossFit. Never done CrossFit before. My workouts have been super boring lately just been doing the same sorts of things for the last few years and just wanted to mix some things up, try some things out. It's a place locally that was like, come try it out. We'll give you two weeks. And I said, all right. So I went yesterday and it kicked the living shit out of me. And I was like, I'll go today. And it kicked the living shit out of me even more. So I like it. It's fun. It's tough as hell. But two days in, We'll keep on going and, and see how we like it. And maybe I'll hop along because it's tough. It was definitely a, the, the mix up for the workouts I was looking for. So I took advantage of that, came home, grabbed my iced coffee, took a shower. And now I'm here with all of you. So, and we're going to talk some MMA. This is a morning radio type of show. So if you're new to the platform, I don't want to talk the entire time. I mean, I'm going to talk a bunch because I'm going to answer your questions, but I want you all to lead the discussion. What are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about UFC Orlando. We're going to talk about Kevin Holland versus Wonder Boy. Some of the other great fights that are on the card. And we're going to talk about Alex Pereira challenging Hamzat Shemaev, throwing out bets to Brendan Schaub. Are we going to talk about Kayla Harrison's reaction to her loss on the MMA hour. You talk about whatever the hell you want. MMA related. Let's get into this thing. And we'll start with double A. Because double A's just quick on the quick on the trigger finger these days. What's up, double A? What's up? I'm good, man. Um just um just um one quick one. I've just um what is the what's the truth to um to the rumors of um <clears throat> excuse me um Jack Della Maddalena and the Leech um in Perth. That's all I've got. Everyone have a heck of a morning. You're awesome. Have a good day, Mark. Peace. Thanks, man. Um, I don't know. I know Jack Della Jack Della Maddalena did an interview, I believe, with the All Star Sports and said that that was a targeted bout. I honestly have no idea. I honestly have no idea. I haven't reached out to the Leech's side yet. I don't really see a ton of upside, honestly, if you're Leeching Leong to take that fight. It'd be cool. It'd be a great step up in competition for JDM, but I just don't see 
a lot of upside there for for the leech to take that fight. Be kind of a rough go for him, right? Supposed to fight freaking Tony Ferguson. Ends up fighting D-Rod, who's weighs in eight pounds heavier than him or, or whatever it ended up being because he was getting ready to fight Kevin Holland at 180 or whatever it was. There's definitely a weight discrepancy for UFC 279. Totally different opponent, totally different style. Loses a fight that a lot of people thought he won. And then to come back from all that after doing the UFC a favor, to have to travel to Australia and fight one of their hometown heroes who's not ranked, it's tough, man. That's tough. Not a ton of upside for the leech. I'm not saying he won't take it, but just not a – to me, it's there's just not a ton of upside to that. But we'll see. I'll, I'll reach out. Maybe we'll have an update on that a little bit later on. Um, they might even be both managed by the same group. It could be wrong about that. But, yeah, that would be an interesting fight. Let me see what that card actually looks like right now. I know he JDM's going to fight on that card either way. Will he get the leech? Not really sure. So this is what 284 looks like right now. We got Makachev, Volkanovsky, fight friggin' rules. I'm really interested in it. I do think Makachev could win, but Volkanovsky's the best fighter in the freaking world right now. Then we have the interim title fight, Yair Rodriguez versus Josh Emmett for the interim featherweight title. Robert Whitaker, Paulo Costa. It's supposed to be happening. It depends on who you ask, I guess. Tyson Pedro versus Ming Yang Zhang. Kaikar France versus Alex Perez. Jack Jenkins versus Don Shanus. Justin Taffa versus Paca Porta. Joshua Kulaba versus Melsic Bagdazarian. Jimmy Crute, Alonzo Menafield, Clayton Rodriguez, Shannon Ross. Card definitely needs some help. JDM will fight on it, but who's he going to fight? Maybe we'll have an update a little bit later. We'll see. Shout out to my man, Ally Quinta. Good to see him back in the room. Balta Ruzello. I don't know if I gave enough emphasis to the syllables. Hello, are you there? You just got to unmute yourself. Baltaro, are you there? All right. You can try again if you'd like. Let's go to Barbarusa. Barbarusa, hello. I can't hear you. You're muted, Barbarusa. We are off to one hell of a start today, everybody. All right. Maybe Austin can save the day. Austin, hello. Hello. I thank God. I was hoping this wasn't on my end and it ain't. So great. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Yeah, I just want I know Stephen Wonderboy Thompson said he's not gonna retire if he loses. However, he's getting up there. Do we think that this might be the end for him? If he loses to Kevin Holland, no, I don't. Kevin, like, Wonderboy has always been a guy. He, he doesn't need to do this. He doesn't need to fight. It's not like he's hurting for money or anything. He runs a very successful 
karate school with his dad, does pretty well with that. And for all the years that I've spoken with him, fighting is just something he likes to do. He's, he's, of course, if you are going to fight, you want to try to succeed and accomplish goals. And for him, he'd love to get back to a title. But he's not a guy that's taken a ton of damage in his career, and he just likes fighting. He just likes it. So I don't think he retires. I mean, if he gets brutalized over five, like if Kevin Holland just pieces him up and then knocks him dead in the fifth round, will there a conversation need to be had? Perhaps, but Wonderboy's not that dude. He doesn't need to fight. He just fights because he likes doing it. It's kind of a, it's not necessarily a hobby for him, but it's a, maybe it's like a professional hobby. We'll, we'll take it another step higher. So I don't think he retires. He's a very popular fighter. People would love would love to see him get back to a title shot. I think he's kind of far away right now, but at least like with Usman still as champ, I think the chances are would be a little bit better because Usman just ran out of guys to fight. So even when he entered the Gilbert Burns fight, a lot of people thought if he won, he's getting the title shot. But there's still fun fights for him. There's still some names he can fight. And this recent stretch of losses, he's just getting taken down. He's getting taken down. He's being controlled on the ground. This fight with Kevin Holland is really interesting because I just don't know if Kevin's going to fight that way. I don't, like, Wonderboy, Wonderboy's a pretty good defensive grappler. I know you don't see, you didn't get to see a ton of that because he was fighting Gilbert Burns and fighting Bilal Muhammad who could just string them together. But for the most part, when he fights guys, like when he fought Roy McDonald's takedown defense is real good in that fight. He's got really good takedown defense. And Kevin Holland's not a tremendous offensive wrestler, so there's a good chance this fight stays on the feet. And looking at it from a betting perspective, I think Steven Thompson has a ton of value at plus 140 in a fight that I don't think, I don't think Holland's going to be trying to string takedowns together in this fight. I think he's going to... I think they're going to have a striking battle. Will Kevin land a takedown at some point? Yeah, it's possible. But I don't think he's going to just try to chain 20, 30 takedowns like Bilal Muhammad would over a five-round fight. So I think there's value at Steven, especially at plus money. But I do agree, the cause for pause, if you're going to put your hard-earned dollars on Wonderboy, is he's going to be 40 in February. He turns 40 a day before I do. So, I mean, that doesn't cause, doesn't cause pause for me because we're right around the same age. He was born a day before I was. But I like the matchup. I like the matchup. But we'll see. I, I think Thompson has a good chance to win this fight. Could Kevin just land a big shot and knock him out? Yeah, it's possible. But I think this fight gets extended. Two durable dudes. Like, Thompson's only been knocked out once. And it was that Superman from Anthony Pettis. But if you go back and watch that fight, Stephen Thompson had a great first round until that strike landed. So I don't know. But I don't think he retires. No, I think there's still some some big fights for him. Will he fight the Shafkat Rachmanovs of the world? Probably not, but give him some legend fights. Brent, hello. Hello. Good morning, Mike. 
Good morning. Uh, I just haven't heard you talk about the latest Ali Abdulaziz situation, so I just kind of wanted to tee you up for that. Do you think he'll actually get in trouble? Just a slap on the wrist? Uh, that's all I got. Thank you. I assume you're talking about the video that has gone around of Ali basically jumping into a neutral corner during the PFL fights and coaching Kayla Harrison seemingly through a triangle choke that Larissa Pacheco had on her six days ago. And will he get in trouble? I don't know. It's a fit. Like, how do you define trouble? Will he get some sort of warning, some like written warning? Maybe could he be like suspended from attending a New York event the next time it comes around? Perhaps, but I don't think he's going to be, like, suspended for life. I don't think it's going to be anything major. But listen, he's he snuck over there. No one stopped him for a while until Alex Davis went over and noticed that he was in there just screaming out instructions. And then we saw commission officials come over, and eventually he was removed from the spot. But feel how you feel about Ali. The dude is loyal as shit, and his fighters freaking love him. And... These are the types of things he'll do for his fighters. It was wrong, and (laughs) it was clearly not what he was supposed to be doing, but he did it. He did it for as long as he possibly could, and listen, I, I talk about, we talk about cheating all the time. We talk about cheating all the time. If nobody stops you from cheating, it's not cheating. Like, if Tim Elliott says he's gonna grab gloves because he hasn't fought in 18 months and needs money and needs that win bonus because he hasn't fought in a while to take care of his family. He's going to grab a damn glove. You want to know why? Because no one's going to stop him from doing it. It's the same reason why people grab the fence. It's the same reason why people kick you in the balls. It's the same reason why these fouls happen because no one will stop you from doing it. Now, at least in this sense, and it took a while, someone actually came over and said something to Ali, but had Alex Davis not noticed what had happened, I don't know how long you would have been allowed to be there because no one noticed it. No one noticed it. But at least in this case, somebody said something. Alex went and got a, an official, got him out of there. But you know how I feel about, quote-unquote, cheating in MMA. It ain't cheating if, he, if no one says anything. Referee can give you a thousand warnings. Doesn't matter. They ain't taking a point. They're not. There's no penalty for grabbing the fence or doing any of that stuff. So just... Freaking do it. Jed and I have been talking about like there should be 10 minutes at the end of practice about just adequate cheating. <laughs> I mean, because no one's stopping you. Like, literally, no one is stopping you from cheating. Like, there have been blatant fence grabs this year. There have been just blatant fouls left and right. And there ain't one person that's stopping them. No one is saying a word about it. So, just keep doing it. Keep doing it. Because no one's going to say a word. Curious to get your guys' thoughts on this Orlando card. It's going to be a long night, my friends. Prelims start at 7 p.m. Eastern. We go to the main card at 10 p.m. Eastern. A lot of prelim fights. Six main card fights. Some interesting names in the in the bunch. Tracy Cortez, Amanda Hebas probably deserves a little bit better than the spot that they're in. That fight's great. It's a pick them from, from a betting perspective. Darren Elkins, JSP will be fun. Michael Johnson, Marcia Casey, interesting matchup. 
We'll see what happens if this one stays in the feature. Casey has become a wrestling savant as of late. And we'll see if he continues that trend or if him and Michael Johnson just have a stand-up battle. Because if that's what happens, that fight's going to be a lot of fun. Clay Guida, Scott Holtzman, supposed to be – it's perceived as Holtzman's final fight. So you know those two are going to get in there and scrap. Angela Hill, Emily DeCody is going to be a lot of fun. Big opportunity for, for Emily to get a, a pretty sizable name on her resume. And Angela Hill is a dog, man. She is tough as hell. So that fight's going to be great. Nico Price is back. That dude has gone through a lot injury-wise since the last time we saw him. Knee surgeries, tons of injuries. Fighting Phil Rowe, who's been on a nice run. Big opportunity for Roman Delize. Fighting Jack Hermanson, stepping in on short notice for Derek Brunson. Eric Anders, fresh off of his appearance on Cobra Kai. Getting back in the octagon against Kyle Dacus. Of course, Tai Tai Tuivasa versus Sergey Pavlovich. You know that fight ain't lasting more than 10 minutes. Mateus Nikolaou and Matt Schnell is just going to be wild because that's what Matt Schnell does. Co-main event, Hafield Osanjo's massive favorite against Bar- Brian Barberena. And then, of course, the main event, Kevin Holland, the minus 165 favorite against the underdog, Wonder Boy, Stephen Thompson. Comes back a plus 140, according to our friends at DraftKings. And... You guys may have heard the uh, the tough news because Wonder Boy was on Chris Weidman's show on SiriusXM, and he said that Jack Black was going to walk him out to the to the octagon. And then at media day yesterday, turns out that is not the case. Jack Black can't make it anymore, and that would have been so freaking cool, especially if you could let him. He doesn't even have to sing the damn song. If Jack Black just had a microphone and – did the Macy's Thanksgiving Day parade style and just lip sync the whole time? That would have been cool as hell. But apparently that's not happening. At least that's what Wonderboy said at the media day yesterday. But card should be fun, man. And then we lead right into UFC 282. Let's go to Tristan. Tristan, hello. Mike, can you Yo. hear me? Yes, okay. I can. The question I have is um, how do you think the uh, – was it the match now versus uh, – um... I forgot his opponent's name, how that's going to go. Because we just saw, again, we just saw what Schnell uh, did. It was just incredible. Do you think it's going to, that fight's not going to be too exciting as we think it's going to be because the, because of the fact that um, his opponent is not, is mostly of a decision machine and very calculated and everything. So, like, how do you think that fight's going to go? Like, do you feel like it may be a snoozer because of, how the opponent is going to fight, or you think it's going to be another bar burner? Thanks, Mike. It's a good question. I don't, I mean, I think it's going to be fun because Matt Schnell is just not in really boring fights. Let me just, uh, let me pull up Schnell's recent resume here. That Sumba Derji fight was wild. There is a little pause with that because Maderji was hurt. Apparently, he had torn ACL heading into that fight, which is freaking wild. But here's Matt Schnell's like last several fights. Sumaderji, that fight was insane. Second round submission. Brandon Royval loses in the first round. Loses to Bontarin at UFC 262. Tyson Nam close fight, split decision, and then. Pantoja loses in the first round. That fight was ridiculous. 
loses in the first round or beats Jordan Espinoza first round, beats Luis Smolka first round. The dude is just super exciting. So I don't think it's going to be a snoozer. I think it's going to be a fun-ass fight. Statistically, on paper, I would say Nicolau probably wins the decision, but Machinelle is just full of chaos, man. His fights very rarely go to decisions. So maybe the no-bets-barred boys will, will be able to cash another flyweight under with this one. But yeah, I love the matchup. Should be a lot of fun. I think it will be a barn burner because Matt Schnell just doesn't know how to not get into a barn burner, especially these days. Tyler, hello. Tyler, hey, how's it there? going, just brother? Just there you go. You? What's up, man? Good. How are you? Good, thanks. So uh, I'm wondering what you think about Rebos versus Cortez because, uh, you know, Cortez is obviously with T-City. I think that, uh, you know, even if they're not training together regularly, which I'm assuming they probably do, T-City's probably given her a lot of good advice on submissions. I love Rebus. I think she's a tough girl. I think she's a fantastic fighter. I'm just kind of wondering what you think about this one. I think it's a really interesting matchup. I think that they have similar strengths. Um, so I'm just kind of wondering what you think. It's a good question. Um, the gambling community hasn't really made a decision yet because it's a complete pick right now. Fight's real interesting Tracy Cortez, at least in my opinion, has needed a little bit of a step up in competition. I feel like Amanda Hebas is kind of a perfect foil for her at this point in her career. Let's just pull up her, her UFC run right now. Vanessa Mello, Stephanie Egger, Justine Kish was a splitty. Melissa Gatto, unanimous decision, fun fight. She just hasn't... I'm not going to say I'm not... I want to, how do I put this the right way? It's not that I'm not sold on her. It's just that I'm not fully convinced of how good she could be yet. But this is the type of matchup where the convincing will happen. Tracy's got talent. She's marketable. She could be a star for this company. There's no doubt about it. But this is what? This will be the first time since she's gotten in the UFC where she's fought more than once in a in a year. Oh no, that's up. To, yeah. Well, she had the contender series fight that made her debut in the UFC, but as far as UFC fights go, only fought once in 2019, once in 2020, once in 2021. Then was out for 13 months for the Gatto fight, won that one. She's coming back to to get a second fight in this year. This is these are the kinds of questions that I have. Will her durability last? Can she get in there two, three times a year on a consistent basis? And Amanda's a good opponent. Amanda's a real good opponent because Amanda's last fight was against Caitlin Chukagian, and we all know how, how that works here at MMA Fighting. Death taxes, Chukagian by decision. Manon Fioro didn't really have that. She was able to, to win that fight, but this is a close one. Amanda gave uh, Caitlin Chukagian everything she could handle. Amanda beats Vanda Jandaroba. That's a really good win. Marina Rodriguez, that was one of Marina's best performances. But prior to that, submits Emily Whitmire, beats Mackenzie Dern convincingly, beats Randa Marcos pretty convincingly, submits Paige Van Zant in her final UFC fight. She's good, man. I'm just curious with Amanda... 
Is she going to stay? I mean, this is another fight at 25. Is she going to stay here? Is she going to go back to 115? I don't know. I love the matchup. My gut is telling me that Amanda will win. I think she's a little more well-rounded. I'm curious to see how her get-up game is going to be because Trace got to take her downs, no doubt about it. But how will her get-up game be, especially down the stretch? Because Trace is going to take her down, or at least try to throughout the fight. If she can get it, if we're one-one going into three, and Tracy gets her down, is she going to be able to get back up? Because I think she has the advantage on the feet for sure. It's it's a really good fight. It's a good test for Tracy, and we'll see where she's at. Tracy goes out there and beats Amanda Hebus. You got something here. You got something. And especially in a division where we have a ton of up-and-comers, ton of prospects, the Aaron Blanchfields of the world. We saw what she did against Molly McCann. When you see these fighters make the come up, adding Tracy Cortez to that list ain't going to hurt you at all. So good fight. Stylistic matchup, real good. But it all comes down to, can Tracy get takedowns? And if she does, can she control her? Because if this fight stays standing, Amanda's going to win. But if Tracy can string some takedowns together, she'll win. So, interesting matchup. Should be a nice little chess match between the coaches and the staffs. Rips and picks. Hello. Hey, Mike. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Perfect, perfect. Top of the morning to you, man. Heck of a morning. Um, just got a question on the main event this week and next week. So, for this Holland um, Wonder Boy match... Just curious if you think we're going to see the judges in this one. It, it just feels like Wonder Boy has never really been outstruck by too many people. Sure, he's been out grappled by Bilal and Gilbert, but you know when you look at Jeff Neal, you know Luke, anybody else who really just wants to stand on the feet with him, it usually doesn't look pretty for him, and he usually goes the distance. Um, so, just curious if you think you know we'll see a finish. Obviously, more probably on the Holland side, but you know j- just if you think this is going to go to the judges. And then next week's main card, just a little bit different of a question, but what do you think the future of the division is going to be? And what do you think the future of Glover and Yuri is going to look like? Um, I mean, do you think Glover get, gets the winner of these two? Do you think Yuri immediately faces the, the, the champion whenever he comes back? I, I just feel like there's just so many questions now. We took the two guys we wanted to see completely out of the main event. So j- just kind of curious on your thoughts on that. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, man. So the main event on Saturday, again, you never know with with two people getting in a cage and fists are flying. But I actually do think this fight goes to a decision. If there is a finish, it's probably coming from the Kevin side. But again, both these guys are super durable. Both could take a shot. And I think this will be some high-level striking on the feet. I I think it's just going to be a fun, on-the-feet, kickboxing sort of chess match. when Kevin says I'm not going to take him down, I don't. It's not that I, I don't believe him. I think just instinctually he will go and, and shoot at some point. But I, I don't think for the people who think, oh well, Wonder Boy got taken down twelve times or whatever, however many times he got taken down in the last two fights. I don't think Kevin's going to fight like that. Will Kevin show that he might shoot for something? Yeah, maybe to like get Wonder Boy guessing, but he ain't gonna go in there and fight like Colby. It's just it's, it's not gonna happen. So I do think with the durability of both these guys, even though Wonder Boy's up there in age a little bit, I can see the cards coming and it's gonna be a close fight. As far as the light heavyweight division goes, I don't know what the frig is happening. No idea. 
I've already made my my point about this. I think Glover should have just got the Jan fight. I think that's just a bigger fight. It's not a massive fight. Is it gonna? Is it a like a hundred and fifty thousand pay per view buy rate difference doing Jan Glover two or Jan and Goliath? Probably not. But I think the more compelling fight would have been the rematch between Glover and Jan because you have a story there. Two former champions going after it. The the two previous champions outside of Yuri. I just think the storyline was better. I think Glover's not a like he's not a huge draw, but be, people know who he is. A lot more people know who Glover Teixeira is than Magomed Ankalaev. And again, I don't say this to knock Magomed Ankalaev because I think Magomed Ankalaev is probably the best 205er in the UFC, probably in the world right now. I think he beat John Bohovich. I think he beats Glover. I think I would probably pick him to beat Yuri too. Like, I think he's that good. Just nobody knows who he is. Nobody knows who he is. So I thought doing this fight as the co-main event leading into the title fight would have been a big deal. Now, because not a lot of people know who he is and because of the stylistic issues he presents, he's the more difficult guy to prepare for, which is why when they offered Glover and Goliath on less than two weeks notice, I totally get where Glover's coming from. Like, I'm not doing that. This doesn't make any sense. Like, that's a terrible stylistic matchup for me when I'm preparing for an absolute maniac. But at least Jan is somewhat in that same vicinity. So I don't blame Glover for not taking the Ankalaya fight. That's just, that's just, that's a tough one. Especially on two, two and a half weeks notice. So who's next? I don't know, man. Like, I think Ankalaya's going to win. I think they'll probably push for Glover to get his shot. If Glover has some time to prepare, I think he'd be in on it. But it all depends on Yuri. Because if Yuri's ready to come back, Yuri says he's going to be out for six months. Dana White says this is the scariest shoulder injury he's ever seen. It's nasty. He could be out for a long, long time. Yuri's just a madman and thinks he's going to be back in six months. I don't know if that's true. It's probably somewhere in the middle. Knowing Yuri and just the type type of physical and mental specimen he is. I feel like we'll see Yuri fight in 2023. It just all depends when Yuri's ready to come back in freaking August. It all depends on the champion if they're ready to bounce back. So I think what will happen is I think Ankalaya will probably either win a decision against John or get a late finish. Maybe they fight in May, June or something like that. Winner gets Glover, and then maybe at the end of the year we get we get Yuri back in there. But the only the one thing that stinks about all this is we're probably not going to see Yuri versus Glover too, because that fight was so friggin' good. And I just want to see I just want to see one more time. Like I I don't know who the better man was in that first fight. I just don't know. Both guys made mistakes. Both guys made some big mistakes. But it was just such a compelling matchup because there were so many swings. Everything we thought about that fight, we were wrong. We were all wrong. If Glover can't get him down in the first round, Yuri's going to just blast him out of there. And Yuri, and I was saying from Jump Street, as soon as Glover won the belt, I said as soon as he fights Yuri, the first, he's going to take him down in the first, he's going to sub him out. 
That fight ain't getting out of the first. Glover's going to sub him, and he's going to win. And I was close. And then he didn't. And we thought Yuri was going to come out and blast him in the second round. And he almost did, but he didn't finish him. And the whole fight was like that. It was just, it was a freaking roller coaster ride. It was amazing. Was it the most technical battle of all time? No, but that was a fucking fight. That was a fight. And I'm so curious to see what would happen if they fought again. But I don't know if we're going to get it now. Because if Glover... Glover needs to hope that Jan Blachowicz somehow beats Magomed Ankoliath. And then we might have a chance. But I think if Ankoliath beats Jan, and I think he will, I think Ankoliath beats Glover, and we'll see Ankoliath versus Yuri. But I'd love to see Glover and Yuri get after it one more time. Because who knows how... We don't know how much longer Glover's got left. He's going to keep on going now. But hopefully... Hopefully we get to see that fight one more time because I'm I'm fascinated by a by a second go. Viking, hello. Oh, hello, Mike. Hello, sir. Let me lower my TV's volume. Okay, guys. Uh, I was listening to Kevin Holland's interview, uh, pre-fight interview, and the Oscar Willis asked him about the, his. Uh, his retirement and in a response to that he said that if Hamza Chimaev gets uh, a title shot after after winning one more match then I might uh, I might just retire so what's your thought on that and he also mentioned that UFC made him some promise and they they just uh, did not fulfill his promise their promises so what so what are your thoughts on that thank you mike and and one more question uh, tell me if the btl is happening or not okay uh btl is happening 1 p.m eastern we'll be live on the youtube channel back to normal last week was obviously thanksgiving week so jed and i just recorded a podcast which was a lot of fun we recorded on tuesday of course all this yuri Light heavyweight UFC 282 chaos happened on Wednesday, so we didn't even get to friggin' react to it. We did react to it on Wednesday, just outside of BTL, but uh, we'll talk more about it today. It's going to be Jed versus New York Rick. So little MMA fighting, infighting, should be a lot of fun. Uh, so that's going down at 1 p.m. Eastern. I, I have to admit, I have not watched the Kevin Holland Media Day interview yet. I did see some headlines about the retirement and how he's basically just – Making trying to make it so it's like fair for everybody that he could just do it again. And I actually thought I thought the first Holland retirement was friggin' brilliant. God, it was brilliant. Everything about it was great. Then he gets the Wonder Boy fight. He had the UFC going crazy. It was great. Everything about it. But you also don't want to Kevin's a pretty smart dude. His manager is a really smart guy, Orrin Hodak. Those two together are a pretty dynamic team. So I don't think it'll turn into a situation where Kevin Holland becomes the boy who cries wolf or anything like that. But I think if he does do it again, it's going to be perfectly timed, much like the last one, and there'll be purpose for it. There'll be purpose for it. Now, I don't know. Kevin's made a lot of money fighting, mostly because of his activity. But Kevin's also told me, like, 
even during the pandemic and everything that this dude just likes to spend money. Like he hasn't, he's, he's not a guy who likes to buy real estate or anything like that. He doesn't invest really. I mean, it's probably some things he invests in like cars and, and shoes. Now he's made a lot of money, but for the most part, he just, he just gets it and buys shit. So I don't know. I don't know, but I have to, I'll go back and watch that, that scrum. I think the UFC will probably send us a video and maybe we'll put it up on YouTube, but yeah, I haven't, I haven't watched it. I haven't watched it. The only, the only thing I really saw from media day was Tai Tuivasa not wanting to fight in Australia. And then wonder boy breaking the news that Jack Black's not going to walk him to the cage anymore. That's it. That's all I really know. I had the day off yesterday, so I try to, I try to get away from the sport. You can't fully get away from it, but but that's how it is. Yes, but BTL is happening. We'll have a lot to discuss. And Nate Diaz is officially a free agent now. How about that? That was some big news. And I know we, we we've talked about it on this show. Ariel's talked about it on his show. Uh, about that whole situation because a lot of people just felt like, well, it's the last fight in his deal and Nate's free after he submitted Tony Ferguson. It's not really the case. Uh, Nate had a matching period that went until, I believe it was December 9th, but the UFC just was like, eh, go ahead, do your thing. So now he's free. Interesting to see what he does now. I think he just, I think he just go do that Jake Paul fight and make a floppity jillion dollars, win or lose. And then just come back. Just come back to the UFC. I mean, there's there's plenty of options for him. Do I that Connor fight is lucrative? But again, I'm sure the UFC is well aware that of what everybody is saying. We've been talking about it for a long time. If you're Connor, if you're Nate, why do that third fight in the UFC when you can just do it by yourselves? Nate's got his own promotion. Connor's got his own promotion. Connor doesn't have a lot of fights left on his deal either. It just depends. Do you want to just do it now and do it in the octagon? Or do you want to wait a year or two and try to do it on your own and keep all the money? That's, that's the million dollar question right now. Probably it's probably the hundred million dollar question right now, but I'm curious to see what Nate does. I don't think he's going to Bellator. I don't think he's going PFL. I don't think he's going to sign with an MMA promotion. I think he'll box, potentially box once or twice. And I think if he's going to, I think if he's going to fight in a cage and do MMA, I think it's going to be in the UFC. I think it's going to be in the UFC. I think the way that the UFC sort of handled everything, at least on the stretch, did they start off correctly by booking him with, with Hamza? No, that was terrible. But luckily, Hamza did him a big favor. He got the Ferguson fight. He got to go out with the gun, with the the overhead bicep pose and the triangle, and gets the choke and just goes out Nate style. The universe sort of corrected itself, and it almost forced the UFC to just be like, "All right, we'll miss you, Nate. You're the man." But they also realized that just because the contract has expired. It doesn't mean that he'll never fight for them again either. 
So you go out, you do your thing, you do business the right way. You don't burn any bridges and you leave the door open. And I think Nate has sort of forced the UFC to do that. Not a lot of guys with that leverage. But I think Nate has some, even with the UFC right now. Because I think the UFC will, would come correct to try to get that Connor fight under their banner. Other than that, I don't know what else would really compel Nate to come back. Because I don't think he's going to fight for the belt or anything like that. I think it's kind of Connor or nothing at this point. And Nate, they can do whatever the hell he wants. He's a star. People care about what he does. He can just go box and make a ton of money. And make a ton of money. I'm looking at UFC 282 right now. It's pretty solid. It's pretty solid. This is one of those cards where it's just... A lot of times you talk about cards that are really top-heavy and there's not much underneath it. This one is kind of top light, but very heavy underneath. Blahova Jankalaf, yeah, we get a title fight. Patty, Jared Gordon, really interesting fight. Really interesting fight. This is definitely the toughest opponent Patty's ever faced. No doubt about it. Ponzinibbio, Robbie Lawler. I don't know how I feel about that one. We'll see. Hopefully I'm wrong. I just uh, just don't want to see Robbie get blasted out of there. But we'll see. Darren Till, Drickus Duplessis, interesting fight. Bryce Mitchell, Ilya Taporia, good God. That fight's awesome. Edmund Shabazian getting a big step back. Dolce Lungan Bula can crack, man. But this is t- definitely a step back for the opponents that he's been facing lately. Jeez Louise. His last three fights, Nasruddin Imovov, Jack Hermanson, Derek Brunson. Then going from those guys to Dolce Lungenbula, man, that is uh, it's definitely a step back. But Dolce is tough. Billy Q versus Alexander Hernandez in a featherweight fight? Be interested to see what Hernandez looks like at 45. He's a big lightweight. Eric Silva, TJ Brown, Jarzinho Rosenstrike, Chris Dacus, Chris Curtis, Joaquin Buckley. That's going to be fun. Daniel De Silva, Venetius Salvador, Jay Perrin versus the 18-year-old Raul Rosas Jr. Ovin St. Pru fighting Antonio Tricoli. And we found out yesterday, a uh, report from my man Nolan King. We confirmed in multiple sources Cameron Salmon is now fighting Stephen Coslow, 6-0 newcomer. He's a Florida guy, trains with the likes of Phil Rowe. Uh, Stephen Coslow gets his opportunity against Cameron Simon, who super young guy, 21 years old. Teammates with Drickus Duplessis, nasty knockout on the Contender Series, got himself a contract. So, And they also, some other news, the watch party is back. It's official. Next Saturday, I am flying out to New York once again. And we're going to sit in the MMA Hour studio, myself and GC. And we're going to watch the damn main card together. And we're going to react and we're going to go crazy just like you did for 281. So that's going down. Get excited. And this is a big one, folks. This is a big one for us. Okay? 
Because we talked about this before. We talked about how 280 went really well. And we needed 281 to go really well because there's a difference between flukes and trends. We need we didn't want a fluke. We wanted a trend. And we got ourselves a trend with 281. You guys watched the hell out of that thing, and that was great. 282, we need this one to go well. Okay? We need this one to go well because this card is not that stacked, especially up the top. There's some good undercard fights. Not a ton of like really compelling storylines overall. Just some good matchups. And then we go into 283, and we're kind of looking at a card that is similar. So if we can show that this trend can continue even with not the most stacked card of all time, that we tell the peeps, we tell the brass here at Vox, we got to keep doing these. 2023 is the year of the watch party, but we need this to happen, okay? So that's going down next Saturday, flying out nice and early next Saturday. I'm excited. Let's go to Jordan. Hello, Jordan. Jordan. Mike, heck of a morning. What's up, Jordan? I assume you're in the car right now. (laughs) I'm heading back from MMA training myself. Um, So I wanted to talk about my biggest thing, the Watch Party 282. Um, I wanted to talk about if there's ever going to be a different promotion that gets you guys to do a Watch Party after such a great, granite long night of fights for PFL pay-per-view. Do you think it'll be a Bellator event or do you think it'll be a PFL super event that gets you guys out of the woodwork to do it for them? Interesting question. So we have done, I mean, we've done like a couple of watch alongs here on the spaces. Like we watched the Patricio Pitbull, Adam Borch main card on here. We've done some Eagle FC watch-alongs on here. The only other one, like this was, this is different because we're doing it in the studio and it's like a really professional thing because for me, and and I'll say this, I love covering events. I love being out there. It just, it's just super fun. It's a whole different thing. And it's not because like, it's not because like, Oh, I could go sit and press row, watch fights real close. If it was up to me, like event, if, my boss has said, hey, Mike, just go out for media day, the press conference, and the weigh-in day, and then you can fly home before the actual card. I would do that. The stuff building up to the fight is way more interesting to me. Like, I'll watch the fights anyways. And even when, like, when I am covering these cards, like, I'm in the back. I'm in the back doing the, doing the interviews post-fight. It's not about getting a seat cage side. I don't care about any of that stuff. But I do like the rush you get from just being there because it gets kind of monotonous. Like I like sitting – like I like working in Command Center 4.0 here. It's fun. Built a nice little setup here. But there's just something about being on the road and being outside of your comfort zone that I just love, especially the watch party stuff. I'm like a lot of times we have ideas of where they're going to go, but then the camera turns on and we're just like, oh, shit, we're live. Now we have to be live for three and a half hours and be somewhat – compelling and entertaining it's not easy to do so there's a rush to that that i just love will the pfl and bellator provide that i don't know the only other watch party we've done or watch along we've done was about a year ago remember when triller did their combo thing the triad 
the triad combat card, where it's like boxing in smaller gloves, but you could do some sort of. M- I think there were like clinches you could do. You could punch in the clinches, things you can't do in boxing. Mike Perry was on that card. We did that. It was me, Casey, and Angela Hill. And that was super fun. But would we do it for Bellator, PFL? I don't know. PFL one might have actually done all right, just because I don't think a ton of people bought that card. But those who did were, they, I think you got pretty much close to your $50 worth. That was a fun-ass card for the most part. They weren't all, it wasn't UFC 199, wasn't 281, but it was fun. So I don't know. I would say doubtful. It ain't cheap putting these together for y'all. I can tell you that right now. But I don't know. If these go well and we get some people to be like, oh, this is cool. We want to be a part of this and we'll pay you to be a part of it. Not me, but the company. Could open the door for some other things. But right now we're floating this on our own and ain't cheap. So if you own a business, you want to be a part of it, reach out to Vox. You'll get a lot of views. Wow, it is a hit. I feel like I haven't talked to you in a year, bro. What's up? Mike, heck of a morning. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm not too bad, Mike. I'm not too bad. I've been in hibernation for like, now I'm joking, but it's just like, Mike, I've been away chilling to a new tune. Do you want to hear it? Yes. It goes a song like this. Autumn is a rat, rat, na, 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 na. Hey. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to start there because, like, honestly, like, just, just watching this whole thing unfold between Connor and Autumn, I'm going to be real. Like, th- that is the biggest fight, Connor versus Autumn. And you might think I'm joking, Mike, and exaggerate. I am a little bit, but I am serious as well. Like, Connor versus Artem is the biggest fight the UFC can make in 2023. I'm dead serious because uh, honestly, like the build-up will be hilarious, and more importantly, it's a fight that Connor will like a hundred percent, obviously win. Obviously, he's a, a lot bigger. He's that obviously might be on those steroids, which is a bit sketchy. The whole yeah, I actually don't care that Connor is on steroids if he had to like repair his leg, but we all know like he's probably. His overall strength, his fitness, every aspect of his game is probably helped by the fact he was taking steroids. And it's just, I don't understand why is one rule for him and another rule for others regarding this situation. That's what bothers me. And you know my stance, and I honestly feel like everyone should just take steroids at this point because should be allowed to take steroids at this point because USADA is a joke. Jeff Nowitzki is a tool. I've said this multiple times. Um, they waste all this time chasing fighters in America because like, they want to compensate for the fact they don't go after fighters like abroad. And it, it's a joke. Like, But I do think Conor versus Artem. Like, and it's, the UFC have done it before. They've released fighters and then they chuck a contract back in their way and they'll sign them back on again. So I honestly believe they should do Conor versus Artem. And then not like Conor versus Masvidal. And that, mo- that like moves on to Masvidal now. Like, I watched that interview and I watched clips and my patience is running thin. You know, with Masvidal, who's talking all this smack to Chandler, 
So it, it, like, and no one's good enough for him. And like, when uh, apart, apart from Leon Edwards, and Leon Edwards wasn't good enough for for him before. And it's such hypocrisy. It's actually ridiculous. I don't, I don't understand like how someone on a three fight losing streak can talk so. I'm actually kind of impressed how well, like, how self absorbed he is, and how like delusional he is in his own narrative that he can talk so wild like this. It's actually, it's actually impressive. But I, I honestly believe, like, if Masvidal wants to, like, play this gangster on the, like, on the internet and just keep talking tough, let's just do Masvidal versus Hamzat Chemaev. Let's do it. Let, let's just run it and let for the BMF belt. I don't understand how Masvidal still has that BMF belt. He got knocked out by Kamara Usman, got mauled by Colby Covington. But you know what? If Masvidal gets the key, but let's do Masvidal Hamza. Remember, we were supposed to do Masvidal uh, Hamza versus Nate. Masvidal beat Nate up. So let's do Masvidal versus Hamza. And lastly, um, one championship. I'm not even going to talk about UFC. I'm talking about one championship. Um, Hania Deridia, I think, is fighting like soon. It might be this weekend. I don't even know. He's still it's this weekend. Yes, yeah. this weekend. Okay, middleweight and light heavyweight champion. I really feel like, like, like if you're putting Hamza in the power for power rankings, like Han- like firstly, I think Colby's above him. I think a lot of people are above Hamza, but Hania Deridia is just such an interesting one because, like, when people talk about other champions from other promotions being better than champions in the UFC, they get called casuals. But Deridia is is as legit as it gets. He is just going through everyone like it's nothing. And he tried to do hang with Andre Galvao. I mean, he felt like he didn't do that well, but he didn't get submitted. And it's just like this. And watching Izzy versus Pereira and the level of grappling, and it wasn't the it wasn't good. It wasn't uh, that good. And I'm just thinking, someone like Deridia, if he beats the guy he fights next, who, who in my opinion is the legitimate heavyweight champion, Arjun Buller hasn't defended that title. I mean, th- this is ridiculous. Like this guy is even at this point, he is one of the best pound for pound fighters in the world. And I'm just wondering, like, if he comes to the UFC, surely he would steamroll Izzy and Pereira. There's no question at this point. And Yuri and Jan and possibly Ankle Live's harder to judge. But Deridio, I don't know, he might be one of the best pound for pound uh, fighters in the world. And yeah, that's what I'm going to end on. Drop the mic, Mike. RDR, we, we, we love RDR here at MMA Fighting, and he might be a freaking three-division champion by the time this is all said and done. So, yeah, he's the main event. But here's my, here's my issue with everything, and it's not anything you said. It's not RDR, it's nothing. The fact that you, like, you're probably someone who's tapped into one more than most. You didn't even know that RDR was, like, you weren't even 100% convinced that RDR was fighting this weekend. And that's the problem with one. That's the problem with one. Nobody knows shit. You want to know who else is fighting on this Amazon Prime card? The freaking one debut of Roberto Soldich. Roberto Soldich is fighting tomorrow. He's fighting tomorrow. And nobody knows about it. No one knows who RDR is. No one knows that Roberto Soldich is fighting. Nobody knows anything. It's so frustrating. These are things people need to know because these cards are produced really well. They really are. They're produced really well. They look like a big deal. These Amazon cards, they are. They look like they're huge, but nobody 
No one knows that they're happening. This is insane. The only one they heavily promoted was the first one. Was the DJ one. They promoted it. People watched it. People were into it. They're like, oh yeah, this one Amazon Prime thing is happening. This is a big deal. I have to watch. But even like the biggest one, even people who are like, Beyond casual one fans don't even know that RDR is fighting this weekend, that he's fighting for a heavyweight championship, interim or not. That Roberto Soldich, one of the biggest free agents of the year, signed with one, probably making millions of dollars with them. Nobody knows he's making his promotional debut tomorrow. It's crazy. It's crazy. And this is why one will not be the number two promotion. Because nobody knows what's happening. Nobody knows what's happening. At least PFL like tells us that things are happening. We might moan and groan about pay-per-view price and things like that. But at least they let us know things are happening and certain fighters are fighting. Like when a card's happening, they shove it down your goddamn throat. And you can decide whether you want to watch it or not. But at least they try. One doesn't try at all. It's so frustrating, and that's why they will not be the number two promotion. I don't care how many social media views they have. I don't care how many people watch overseas. It doesn't matter. Globally, here, no one knows what's happening tomorrow. Nobody. And it's annoying. It's super frustrating. And we'll see what happens with Arjun. I know Chatri has talked with certain media members and said that, the dude needs to fight sooner. They're going to strip him of the belt. Maybe they will. Who knows? I have no idea what's happening with that situation. I literally have no idea. So we'll see what happens there. The Mazadal thing. Here's the most interesting thing about the Mazadal thing is that everybody is just like turned on this dude. It's, it's really wild. Because this guy did the same thing for years, essentially. And everybody loved it. When 2019 happened, and he caught that fire, that lightning in a bottle that a lot of people described it as. I mean, everybody was into this guy. Everybody was into everything. And then he loses three fights. He loses to, at the time, the pound-for-pound pound best fighter in the world, on like a week's notice after a gigantic weight cut because of the COVID thing with Gilbert Burns, Mazadal stepped in, lost a not compelling decision to Usman. Then he gets the rematch. He gets colded. But let's, let's not forget why that rematch was made. The rematch was made because they're trying to put butts in seats. This is the first card that... Fans are back after the pandemic. And Usman Mazadal was a massive fight. Putting Mazadal in Florida is going to sell tickets, man. It's going to sell tickets. And he got knocked dead in that fight. But let's not, like, we have to go back and watch that. Go back and watch the first round of that second Usman fight. Mazadal looked pretty good in that first round. He got caught bad in the second. He looked pretty good in that first round. And then the cold. Like, these are the losses. Usman twice and Colby. Arguably the two best welterweights in the world. Even though Edwards is the champion. If you put... If, if Usman Edwards happens 
in March or something, and someone says, who do you think is going to win? Most people are going to say Usman's going to win. And if Colby fights Leon, most people are going to say that Colby's going to beat Leon. So Mazadal has lost to the two best welterweights in the world. One bad. The Colby fight, we kind of knew how that fight was going to go. Honestly, we this is not a surprise. But again, another big money fight from Mazadal. They had two title fights scheduled for that March card that got pushed back to April because Max Holloway got injured and they needed a main event in like a, in like a month. So they called Mazadal and they called Colby and they put the fight together and the fight went the way most expected it to. And now everyone has turned on Mazadal. It's crazy. It's freaking crazy. And all I did was ask the man questions. I don't know. It's wild, man. I was kind of surprised by the Chandler response, if we're being honest. I actually thought that fight might be a little bit intriguing. It's not like he ruled it out. He said, look, if I get a Gilbert or somebody else, a ranked dude, and I beat him, and it's going to be like seven or eight months before like another ranked guy will be able to fight, then I would entertain a fight with the Chandler or something like that, just to like stay active. So it's not like he said F Chandler not happening, but he also was like, if I this the way he presented the whole thing was he understands how people perceive him right now. If he goes and fights Michael Chandler, we're gonna be like, ooh, this fight's cool. But if he goes out there and just melts Chandler, what are people gonna say? They're gonna say, Wow, Mazadal melted Michael Chandler. That was awesome. I'm gonna say, yeah, he beat a lightweight. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. It's just, it's wild, the swings in this sport sometimes. And I'm not just saying that because, like, I've gotten the chance to talk to Mazadal a few times, which I've never gotten to before, but this year I've talked to him, I think, three times. Technically four if we talk about the interview that never aired because my microphone broke. But it's just, it's, it's wild. And it's just... It's just so weird. But to me, it almost says like MMA, especially the UFC in particular, has become a pretty major sport. Because now you have fans who have no idea how to do what you do, who couldn't do it on their best day, talking shit about fighting abilities when you can't fight at all. It's just like baseball players. Oh, this guy sucks. You can't hit a 95-mile-an-hour fastball. I probably can't either. I played college baseball but I probably can't hit a 95-mile-an-hour fastball right now. I could when I was 19. Probably can't now. Can't dunk over LeBron. I can't score a goal in the NHL. I can't sack Tom Brady. I mean, maybe I could. He's not that fast anymore. But you know what I mean. I ain't getting through a 350-pound lineman to sack Tom Brady. But I ain't got to go out there and just say, like, oh, you, this guy sucks because he can't sack Tom Brady. Because I can't do it either. So it's just weird to me, but I am like, but this is what Masvidal does. He's always been this way. He's been always been the same dude. We loved it three years ago. Hate it now. And I don't know who the hell he fights at this point. I honestly have no idea. The Burns one makes sense. Connor makes sense. The UFC has done weirder things than. Doing Edwards Moss at all. 
I don't think they'll do that now, obviously with Usman fighting, but Masvidal gets a win, man, against anybody with a with a number next to their name. It would not shock me to see him get a title shot. Sorry, if you don't like hearing that, the UFC has set precedents in order to do that. And they've done it multiple times. Whether you like Masvidal or not, he evokes interest, man. Evokes emotion. People respond to him either positively or negatively. Dude's still a star. He's still a star. All right, we'll take two more. Then I got to go because we got BTL at the top of the hour. Terrence, hello. Hey, Mike. Yo. Yo. Um, sorry, I have been on in a minute. I was calling, well, I was just responding to what you were saying about like everybody like turned on like Moscow and stuff like that. I kind of think it's like he turned on like the fans. Like he completely used to like talk crap about Kobe and like the whole like Trump thing. And then he became like the person that he said that Kobe was trying to be, which is supposed to chop for him. And then like with the like cringy stuff that he's done lately, like you can't look past that stuff. Like you can't turn on like your initial fans and it's like, oh, this guy's like wearing a mega hat and doing this and doing that. And then you become an even more extreme version of that. So I think losing doesn't help because winning like cures all in this sport. But the fact that he's been losing on top of taking L's in the media and stuff like that doesn't help him at all. So that's one thing <clears throat> that I wanted to like address. The other thing was I wanted to talk about the whole um, Kristen Lee thing. And I know this like weeks ago, but with Kristen Lee, like that fight should have been called in like the first round. And we as a sport, like, we love, like, the comeback story. Uh, like, somebody, like, pretty much should have been finished, and then they come back to, like, finish their opponent. Um, I think that's where, like, we get, like, these things talking about, like, early stoppages and things of that nature. Because, like, a week before that was, like, the Izzy fight, and I felt like Kristen Lee was way more in trouble than Izzy was. But, like, everybody says that Izzy... Um, that was a good stoppage, but nobody like is saying nothing about the Christian Lee thing. Like how it should have been stopped, and if it would been stopped, nobody would have said anything. So I think that blurred line is the reason as to why we have that, and then the inconsistencies when it comes to like refs, some of this between the same refs and different refs as well. Like one minute they'll make a call, and then the next fight they'll make the exact opposite, and like there's no accountability on their end. So I just wanted to know what your thoughts are about, like, the comeback stories and should we not glorify them like we do or what needs to change. That's all. Thank you. Um, Your Mazadal point, I mean, there's probably some truth to that, but I don't know. When, it, when I think about that stuff, the, the political stuff, it just brings me back to that press conference where the most asked question was, how does a bill become a law? And I just don't want to go to the rabbit hole right now. Um, I mean, sometimes people care. Sometimes people don't. But, there, I mean, there's so many examples of that where fighters do things that are probably not politically the right thing to do that causes people to scratch their heads and Kareem Zidane's writing about it. But we still cheer for those guys, even though they're losing. So it's just, I don't know. It's just, I, 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 get, I guess I get it, but. I don't think that's the reason why. I mean, it's like so many people have turned on this guy, and it's not because of that. But there might be some people who feel that way. So I'm not going to like jump on that at all. 
like that narrative by any stretch of the imagination. <sighs> Will we ever not glorify the comeback win? No. People are going to glorify that. People are going to keep glorifying it. Remember the Benoit Saint-Denis fight? When he made his when he made his debut at 170, he just got the absolute shit beat out of him. And the referee is just watching this dude take a hundred unanswered strikes, just hurt bad, getting his ass beat. Remember that? And then he finishes the fight, and we're like, wow, this guy's tough. This referee is a piece of shit. But if Benoit Santini had come back and won that fight, we'd be like, oh my God, this guy's the toughest guy in the world. This referee, maybe he wasn't as bad as he thought. Um I don't know. It's kind of in the eye of the beholder. As much as I say, like, maybe this reaction to some fights and fighters makes it a little more mainstream, the sport's still a baby, and I think there's just so many new fans now that no one really knows the difference at this point. Some do, and some don't. But that Santini fight should have been stopped. A lot of people thought the Calvin Cater, Max Holloway fight should have been stopped. Maybe the ref, maybe Herb Dean should have stopped it, but nobody did. And Calvin seemed fine, even after the the, the beating he took. It's just, it's just tough, man. Being a referee is tough. There are certain things referees do with like again. I'm not going to harp on the the cheating and the fence grabs and stuff like that. Like that, those things should be called. I don't give a shit what you think. I don't care. Well, we don't want to. We don't want to take a win out of a fighter's hands because they grab the fence. Why? You know what will happen? They'll stop grabbing the damn fence. But when it comes to like making those calls, man, it's you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Because Christian, there will be, because if Christian, they had stopped that fight and Christian Lee like protested it, we'd be on this show the next week. Everyone would be like, oh, they stopped that fight too soon. They would. So, yeah, I don't think the comeback story will ever be not become a popular thing, not become the thing that's glorified. I, I just, that's just where we're at right now. Maybe 10 years from now, that, that'll all change. We'll be looking at the sport through a different lens. There'll be different rules, different guidelines, so forth and so on. But I guess the antithesis to your argument is that had they stopped it then and Christian Lee was pissed about it, We'd be talking about how it was a bad stoppage. You can't win in these types of situations. You just can't. But, all right, we are done. I got to get out of here. It's BTL going down in 50 minutes on the YouTube channel. We're going to go for about an hour on that because we have a a big company meeting. We got to go to it too. So we're going to fly through BTL. Uh, We'll be back tomorrow. Not sure what time. It'll probably be around 1130 because – the UFC Orlando weigh-ins are happening at 9 a.m. Eastern. Jose Young's in Orlando right now. We'll be streaming those weigh-ins. We'll do the weigh-in show. It'll be a little bit different. Casey's not going to be on. Uh, so it'll be more of a, a radio-style broadcast with the weigh-ins happening. AK will be on that. I will jump on there probably around 9.30, maybe a little after that. And then probably around 11.30, we'll jump on here and react to everything that happened and do the free-for-all Friday thing. So thank you very much. Appreciate it. Have a great rest of the day. And as always, have a heck of a morning, everybody.
listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network.